In government, the devil wants to reduce our government leaders to mere politicians. But the Bible paints something very different. In Romans 13, first off, God says, government's mine, not man's. And two, he says, those who serve in government are his ministers. Welcome to Keystone Conversations, our podcast on the topics and issues important to the Keystone family. Our hope is to give insight, wisdom, and resources as you press on to know and follow Jesus. My name is Brent Minter. I'm the lead pastor of Keystone Church, and today, Keystone, I am so excited to introduce to you a guy who's become a friend over the last couple of years, who works in a very interesting part of the world. Uh, uh, today, we have with us Greg Baker. Welcome, Greg. Friends, awesome to be on with you. Yeah, so Greg, you we need to give you a title, and uh, <laughs> you are the founding director of the Church Ambassador Network. Um we're going to talk a little bit about what that does, but the reason you're on today is because there is we live in a in a state that is very important in the nation. We have a very unique role for the size of state that we are. Yeah, three million people, but every news company has correspondence here in the month of January. That's right, from because, Japan to Britain yeah, throughout the U.S. It does yes. not matter because the. Iowa caucuses is the season. And your church ambassador network um, works in the space that some of these caucuses deal with. You work in a different way than a lot of other people would think in terms of politics. But why don't you just give an explanation of what the church ambassador network does? Because I think our people will be so encouraged to know the kind of work you do is happening in our state. And it's having a significant impact outside of our state. So explain what you guys do. And the Church Ambassador Network brings a biblically-centric approach to the institution of government. So as you know, as a pastor, Brent, God made three institutions, the family, the church, government. Yeah. And the church just takes a lot of different forms, even just right here in Ankeny. Yeah. The church is a big, diverse institution. Government's the same way. Mm. The land that you and I live in, it's a constitutional republic. If you go over to the United Kingdom, it's still a constitutional monarchy. Yeah. You go to China, it's a communist form of government. Government throughout most of time has been taken the form of a monarchy. What the Church Ambassador Network is designed to do, it is just designed to minister to that institution broadly. For reasons above our pay grade, you and I live in this time period of human history. So what we try to do the Church Ambassador Network in Iowa is how do we work alongside the church to minister to our modern-day government at the state capitol in Des Moines? Yeah, so Greg, you, how we first interacted, I, I want to tell this story because it's a story of my own judgment. Um, I had heard your name and heard, and I was like, I don't want to get involved in politics and all this sort of stuff. And I kind of had ignored some emails that had sent from you, had been sent from you and your team, and and um, I heard you speak, and literally on the Zoom call that you were speaking. Do you remember we were on a call? Oh, I remember it well. With the, with a bunch of Salt Network pastors. Yep. In the middle of the the call, I pulled up an email and started to email you and said, "I need to repent." I think I used those words. You did. I was like, I was like you did. I need to repent because I had a view of you that I did not, that wasn't welcome and it was unhelpful. And what you're doing, tell me what I can do to be a part of it. Because what you and your team does at our state house, every session, 
with sharing the gospel, giving Bibles, praying for politicians. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle is. And you have incredible relationships with gospel influence with a lot of people in our state. And it's so impressive, Greg. God's been good. We launched a church back in 2014, and we made a commitment to the Lord. I, I specifically did. Said, so God, any government meeting you give, I promise to do two things. Share your word in the gospel. Yeah. And I firmly believe we are where we are today because of that. God's allowed us to multiply the work we do at the Capitol yeah. in Des Moines and 17 other state capitals. Someday, maybe across the world. My hope yeah. is before I die, I get to share the gospel of the King of England. Which king that is, we'll find out. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's... George. Yeah, there you go. I, and Greg, we've done that. We have met with some significant leaders in we our have. state and nation. And every time, open the Bible, pray for them, share a word from the Lord, and honestly minister them as a person, way more than a politician. Yeah. And it's a joy that that kind of work is happening. But you also have a seat... And we'll talk about the difference between governance and elections, right, in yep. a bit. But I wanted uh, our people to hear what uh, endeared me to you in your ministry the first time. And, uh, oh, again, you promised to share the Bible <laughs> and the gospel. And so I would love for you to just kind of, th your John 10 passage about yeah. some of the roles of what we should be looking towards for go towards government. And again, this is biblically true, whether it's the caucus or it's July 4th and no one's raising money or there's no political ads on YouTube, right? So what you're about to share is timeless, but I do think that as our people, we encourage you, be in a caucus on January 15th, but a framework for them to think through. Why don't you share uh, that framework? And so as Christians, the most important thing we can do is help people see who they are in Christ, who they are called to be yeah. in Christ. The devil's favorite playground is identity. Mm. And if he convinced you to be who you are not, he has had victory. That's... So for the unsaved, he wants you to be convinced you're saved. For the saved, he wants you to be convinced you're unsaved. Yeah. And in government... The devil wants to reduce our government leaders to mere politicians. Mm. And we do it in the church as well. We have a negative connotations of governors, senators, representatives. Yeah. But the Bible paints something very different. In Romans 13, first off, God says, government's mine, not man's. So we the people, yeah, that's true in an American sense, yeah. but in reality, God owns it. And two, he says, those who serve in government are his ministers. And keep in mind, when this is being written, it wasn't being written when Abraham Lincoln was ruling Rome. It was written when Nero, Nero was ruling Who was Rome. burning the house down and killing Christians wholesale. That's right. So God, according to the Bible, instituted government. It's here because of sin. Government brings yeah order on this side of eternity. It's a gracious gift, just like God allows the rain to fall on the unrighteous and the righteous. Yeah. He allows government to bring order to the righteous and the yeah. unrighteous. Theologically, we could say it's common grace. Yes, right. Common grace. I love that. And government, like the church, like the family, has a shepherd. Mm. The shepherd of the family is the father. The yeah. shepherd of the church is pastor. Pastor is just a family word in Latin for pastor or for yeah. a shepherd. And the historic shepherd of government is a king. 
Mm. So you open up your Bible, um, the king's all over the place. Sometimes he's called Caesar, Pharaoh, or just king. And the United States of America, the king still exists. It's just not one person anymore. Mm. In the state of Iowa, we took the lawmaking powers of the king. We gave it to 150 people, 100 representatives, 50 senators. We took the chief executive powers of the king. We gave it to a governor. We took the commander and armies of the king. We gave it to the governor as the commander of the National Guard. We took uh, Paul appealed to Caesar, the highest court in the land. We gave it to Supreme Court. And with the caucuses coming up, we're obviously looking at our national government. And I was in a really unique spot when it comes to this. We are selecting the shepherd of the nation. And not just of any nations, for reasons above our pay grade, you and I were born during the time period where America is the reigning empire. Mm-hmm. Now, empires come and go. When does this one go? That's above my pay grade, but someday yeah. it'll go. Only one king reigns forever, and that's Jesus. Yeah. But right now, America reigns. And the president of the United States serves as the chief shepherd of that nation, but he's also the shepherd of the world. The yeah. world looked to Caesar during the time period that the New Testament was written. Today, the world looks to the president. And what we need to look for is who does God call these individuals to be? And something we have sown with every government shepherd in our state over and over again, you are a shepherd in one of God's three institutions. And Jesus lays out for us what is a shepherd in John 10. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Yeah. The number one qualification for a shepherd is the first becomes last. That's not normal in our political spectrum. It's not normal in any spectrum. It's not normal in my household <laughs> exactly sometimes, right? right? It's so true. But this is the power of what he says. The way my kingdom works the so upside down kingdom is that the good shepherd, Jesus is the ultimate shepherd, right? He lays down his life for others. And obviously we know Christ is the head of the church. Yeah. He's, I think about Apostle Paul, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Christ is the perfect pastor. Do you know a government leader can say the same thing? Jesus is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He is the heir to the throne of David. Mm. Jesus is the perfect embodiment and example of a king. Wow. So when you think about laying down your life as a king, Jesus, it wasn't a figurative statement like, oh, I gave up my nice house for you. It was literal. I literally died down my life. And not only did I lay down my life, I did it for rebellious people that did nothing more but try to overthrow me from my throne. That's what I did it for. I didn't do it for those who came to the Jesus rallies that held up their signs and put him into office. No, no, no. He did it for the rebellious who refused to recognize his authority. And I think about the United States today. If you are a shepherd, who are you serving? All people. Regardless if they voted or did not vote, regardless if they voted for your opponent or they voted for you. You serve all people, even those who aren't even citizens that fall under your border. Your job is literally to make yourself last. Yeah, Greg, I think one one thing that's interesting about that is, as we've said across from some politicians, you can see the weight that they feel on some of these issues. 
because they feel like, oh my goodness, I have a stewardship yes. to all people. Whether you voted for me or not, we're trying to make the decision of what is the right thing. And so that is what a good person, a good shepherd would do is to consider the needs of all the people as they move forward. And this is particularly difficult. The, the land you and I vote in votes every two years. If you're a member of the U.S. House or the State House of Representatives, every two years people are grading you. Yep. Well, good things take time. So a lot of times you make a difficult choice. It might be years before you ever see those benefits. Mm. And what we also know many ways seem right to a person, but in the end they lead to death. Yep. The sheep want what's not best for them. What I always like to point out to our dear brothers and sisters out there, imagine a poor Moses every two years had to face a re-election. By the Israelites. Wow. How many he elections? Lost. I mean, 40 days in, they were like, we hate you, Moses. That's he, exactly right. We, I'm not even sure you would have won once, let yeah. alone a re-election. <laughs> That's what our government leaders have to go through. But what the scriptures teaches us about Moses in Hebrews 11, like how did Moses make it? It says that he considered the reproach of the Messiah to be a greater wealth than all the treasures of Egypt. Yeah. And I think about a government leader we need one who says, I consider the reproach of the Messiah to be a greater wealth than all the treasures of the United States. Yeah. It's so true. And that's, you know, that's, you actually can see why the scripture actually says, pray for your leaders. That's right. <laughs> why you should pray for government, because the, the pressure upon them to do that is, is high. The pressure to get reelected, the pressure to... Uh, the fundraisers, the pressure to all the things, but that one of the things that we would be praying for is that God would be stir in their hearts to be the good shepherd. But there's other options, Greg, yes. besides being a good shepherd. Yes. And I feel like you have to explain those we out do. of John 10. So I say, well, so we have the good shepherd, but Jesus warns us of two different types of leaders. And in our flesh, this is who we all are. Yeah. The first is a thief. As he says, a thief comes only to steal kill and destroy. He says, compared to the, he says, I have come, so you may have life and have an abundance. A thief in the government world is a tyrant. Yeah. But a tyrant isn't just, um, like we often think of like Adolf Hitler, Joseph yeah. Stalin. What's a tyrant really? A tyrant is someone that wants recognition mm. and they want power. There's a tyrant in all of us. It's that wicked little part of us that we push people down yeah. in order to push ourselves up. Yeah, we the tyrant wants their way. That's exactly right. They just want their way. And whatever it takes, it takes me tearing you apart, takes me building you up, whatever it is, yep. I want power. Yeah. I want it my way. And the other one he warns us of is the hireling. He says the hired hand, since he's not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees the wolf coming. Mm. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he's a hired hand and he doesn't care about the sheep. Yeah. In the political world, this is a politician. Yeah. Leadership is not a job. It is a calling. When it is a job, the second it gets tough, you run. Yeah. The United States has got a lot of challenges facing it. It needs a shepherd that is willing to make the hard decisions that not even the people want. Mm. but the people need. Yeah. A hired hand will always cave. Their lives are dominated by people pleasing. 
Wow. And there's a people pleaser in, in all, all of, of us. us. It's in me. That's my biggest default. I, I will compromise the truth yeah. to make people happy. Yeah. And it's a tendency there. And without the Lord, you will always fall to it, especially in a land where you're selected by popular election. You didn't <laughs> inherit the throne. Yeah. You got voted in a popularity contest to the throne. Yeah. And as Christians, if we are not careful, we'll sit here and we'll fall into the popularity contest. Yeah. Oh, who do I want to sit down and have a beer with, if you will? That's the worst way to select a president of the United States. Yeah. Who will lay down their life for me and tell me the hard things that I don't want to hear? That's who should be president. Yeah. Doesn't tell me the things I want to hear and give me all my little listening ears desire to hear, but tells me what we need to hear. Basically, I need someone that is a horrible campaigner They'll be a phenomenal leader. That doesn't work well in our in our world. And I think it, we can talk a little bit about that because the next thing we're going to talk about is the difference between elections and governance. But just to wrap up what you just said, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And in the political world, the the bad kind of leader that Jesus is saying, that would be the tyrant. It's all about me. It's what I want. It's my power. I'll keep my power. The second is the hireling. And the hireling is the one that in the government world would be considered a politician, that whichever way the wind blows, whatever I need to do to get approval, whatever I need to do to stay on top of all the polls, I will make those choices because I want to stay in power. But God calls the leader, the leader that we should be looking for as we walk in to think about caucus and even just think about governance in general, is the good shepherd. And in the government world, that is the statesman. That's right. Who The statesman... Um, is constantly thinking of the good of others, laying down their agendas so that the good of the country, the good of their, you know, their responsibility is... is and I think, Greg, um, talk to me about how you think through that lens when there's so many political ads and so many coffee shop conversations mm-hmm. and so much... We could all say, I mean... There's a lot of disgust about the system. Yeah. A lot of disgust. I think probably a lot of people listening is like, do I even go to the caucus? Because I've already read all the polls. What do I even do? How do you personally take that concept? And I'm not asking who you're voting for. I'm not asking, but how do you hold those things as you kind of walk through the election side? There's four things I look for, especially when we're down ministering at the Capitol. There's a lot of government leaders in the United States. Like, where do we want to spend our time? I look at a caucus, we have a plethora of options. Yeah. No one's going to hit this perfectly. Nope. And there's some years you're way off to, and like it's like, <laughs> who's a little bit closer? But there's four things I look for. One is, are they open to the kingdom of God? Not necessarily mm. born again, but they open, meaning will they receive the Lord's authority? Wow. Wisdom begins with fear of the Lord. Yeah. The last thing I want is to put someone in the most powerful position in the world and have them not under authority. Wow. That's what we saw with Nebuchadnezzar, and the Lord took care of business with wow. that one. quickly. But the people of Babylon suffered those seven years as their kings run around like a wild beast. Yeah. Two, are they servant-minded? Mm. Are they someone that talks a lot about themselves, or do they talk a lot about the people they desire to serve? Yeah. Are they servant-minded? Two or three, are they competent? Can they do the job? I'm glad that you're a good servant. Yeah. I'm glad that you are kind, that you love the Lord, but you know what? You're just way underqualified. Yeah. Very few people are qualified to be president of the United States. 
Then lastly, are they a problem solver? That is a great— Are they going to troubleshoot and think that we're going to figure this out? And the caucuses, this is a unique opportunity. Around 150 to 200,000 Iowans will vote in the caucuses. That's it. And this, Say that number of 150 to 200,000 will vote in the upcoming caucuses. Get out. That's so less small. than 10%. That's right. So you think about this state, you think about the evangelical presence here. We're, we're not the Bible Belt like Missouri, but we're not like Minnesota either. We have a lot of evangelical churches here in Iowa. Yeah. Way more than 150,000 people attending them, I can tell you that. Yes. So you think about that opportunity, one of the greatest services we can do as the Church of Jesus Christ when it comes to the electoral process, how do we choose leaders that will serve the greater people? Mm. And there is no one that's got a better discernment factor for who is a good shepherd than the Church of Jesus Christ. Wow. The question at the end of the day is, what are you discerning through? Are you discerning through TV ads? I certainly hope not. Yeah. Are you discerning through news? Mm. Or are you discerning through the Word of God? Wow. What the world around us needs to do as ambassadors of Christ called to live in this place as our temporary residence is to discern through the people that God has put before us and truly ask ourselves, who is the best shepherd among them? Yeah. And that's who we choose. Man, there is such a challenge. And honestly, the amount of work that takes, just you turn on a TV, you turn on the radio, you turn, you play something on YouTube, it's going to be political ad after political ad. It's going to be all the forces, but there's only one way to get God's word inside of you, right? I've hidden his word in my heart so that I might not, it's just like you just have to become a person of the word. That's such a powerful reality of how the Bible becomes practical in our life. Well, I kind of want to flip here yeah, because we have this concept of a shepherd, and I don't think that it's just some talking points. I actually think that it has incredible power because one of the things that you're passionate about that I think that is, that I that I've watched you live out is you're not passionate about elections. You're passionate about governance. Yes. Because governance really matters. Administrations come and go, but the responsibility of the state and the nation to serve and protect our people is always there. It doesn't matter who wins the White House, who wins the governor's mansion. It's a concept. So talk to me about the way that we think about the difference between elections and the importance it gets versus the importance of governance and how that should probably be flipped. And in Ecclesiastes, we hear a lot about there's a season for everything, right? Yep. There's a season to choose, and there's a season to govern. Wow. And the purpose of the season to choose is to serve the season of governance. It is not the other way around. Yeah. We've reversed it here. Our governance is now serving our season of choosing. And what has happened is during the time period of governance, you think about a two-year time period the government serves. Yeah. One day of the two years is when we vote. One day. Yeah. Period. Leaving the other 364 days that year and the 365 the day prior for governing. Yeah. And what the choosing is ultimately about is how did we govern and how do we communicate a vision to govern? Mm -hmm. 
So we're going to go through a presidential election this November in 2024. What's going to happen the next day is we're going to talk about the next presidential election in 2028. (laughs) Meanwhile, there's four years in there that the 320-plus million people that call this home are going to depend on for their day-to-day lives. And what we decided to do at the Church Ambassador Network is we wanted to be about significantly more governance than we were elections. The land we live in, we cannot neglect elections. It's the, but, it's the bedrock of the way we do the governance. But you look at our culture today, that's not the one we're neglecting. Yeah, no. We got to govern. And we have to serve those we voted for, and we need to serve those we did not vote for. And God has always worked through a remnant. In a land where there's popular election, more likely than not, you're going to serve more people you did not vote for than you did vote for. Yeah. And but at the end of the day, their success— is the people's success. Yeah. Their failures, the people's failure. Government is the only institution of the three God created designed to serve the collective. The governor of Iowa serves Iowans simply because they're Iowans. Yeah. And there's a power to that and a limitation to that. The limitation is um, the government cannot require a gospel transformation before it serves you. that's going to impact its results. A lot of times we look negatively. We think, oh, look at that state program. It's getting 3% of the people out of addictions. Why this faith-based program is getting 90% of people off of addictions. Well, it's not an apples-to-apples comparison. One of them's measuring off the gospel. The other one's measuring off because you live here. Yeah. Um, People are falling. So a lot of times with governance, we need the right expectations. Government is designed to contain and limit sin. It was never designed to eliminate it, and it was never designed to save anybody. Facts. So a great way the church can engage in government is not bringing about the kingdom of God through it. Yep. Rather, the best way the church to engage government is to serve its community yep. through it. So you think about our child welfare system. We have 6,000 children in Iowa that the state of Iowa closed tomorrow. They don't have any parents. We have 500,000 Iowans that depend on Iowa, the state of Iowa being open to have health care. How do we in the church come alongside knowing that we have the two most important ingredients people need? Eternal hope and eternal belonging. We can step foot into the government sphere, bringing that hope. And a lot of our day-to-day work is building church-state partnerships. How do we come alongside the state of Iowa and now 17 other states, finding ways for the church and state to work together for the betterment of the people? Yeah. And in the Bible, every time that's happened, a lot of people come to know Christ. A lot of people. Yeah. Greg, I just want to wrap up, and then I'll give you one example. Like, that's again, I love you because you actually have proof of what you're talking about. But I think it's, if we're talking about governance and not just who can accept do an acceptance speech, but who's going to govern well for the other 364 days a year? Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons I feel like that shepherd metaphor instead of the tyrant or the politician is such a powerful metaphor for me because they got to get to work. They do. It's real problems. And in the world we're living today, it's real wars. Like humans yes. made in the image of God are in the balance of it all. And um, there's so many issues that are there, but that's the reason I think it's a powerful. So why don't you give um, 
I know you're passionate about one. Keystone donates to one of the areas that the church has come alongside of the government. I'd love for you to talk about how that came about and um, that that resource. Talking about Together for Good? Yeah. Yeah. So we've been ministering to our state government now in our 10th year. Um, we met Governor Reynolds when she was a state senator, yeah. then lieutenant governor, then governor. First week of Governor Reynolds' days in office as governor, um, two children died in our state foster system. So we visited her during that week. We prayed with her. But uh, Denise, my deputy director, and I, we left really convicted. Yeah. So is our job just to pray with her right now? Or do we need to come alongside her? So we followed back with Governor Reynolds and said, Governor Reynolds, if there's one thing the Church of Jesus Christ could do to help in the area of child welfare, what is it? Prevent it from happening. People, family show warning signs well before HHS shows up. Yeah. Get there sooner. So we began a journey and we found Together for Good on Minneapolis St. Paul. Yep. They're a ministry that provides wraparound care from the Church of Jesus Christ to people living in social isolation with the goal to reverse trajectory of their lives. Yeah. Some of them are in more significant bondage. They're struggling with addictions. The best addictions programs require you to move in to the treatment center. What do you do with your kids if you got kids during that time? A lot of times, uh, if you are addicted, family members are addicted. A lot of these individuals don't have a family member to trust their kids to or a friend to trust their kids to. Together for Good comes alongside this family, says, we will watch your kids. Free of charge, you get the treatment you need, and we will come alongside you as you do it. Yeah. And our hope is that we see a reduction in the number of foster care placements in the state of Iowa because we kept families intact. Yeah. And this is just one way that we can form so many church-state partnerships. How does the state partner? The state, for example, public school districts, they see these warning signs in families yep. well beforehand. They can refer families to this ministry. Yeah. The church comes along providing the gospel, true love, compassion, and community, and then we see lives transform. It's wonderful. Um, Greg, I think you've had a great word for us. And um, as we think about um, walking into a caucus, we have the election commercials. We have so much, the, the, the conversations around the coffee pots about politics in Iowa. But I think you've, you've used the right lens for us to think about this process, which is... Um, what what does God's word say? And he's giving us an example of the kinds of leaders that we should be looking for, imperfect as they are. And so Keystone, I hope that this is helpful for you as you kind of walk through another election season in the state of Iowa. Uh, May God have mercy on your soul. Um, But we want to just have this conversation to help maybe give some equipping and some thoughts through that process. So Greg, thanks so much for being with us today and sharing your heart with us. Oh, it's fun, Brett. Always love hanging out with you. Yeah. Um, thanks so much for being a part of our conversation today. If you would like to know more about Keystone in general, hear sermons or listen to more conversations, please visit keystonelife.com. Until next time, keep the conversation going.